what I chose to talk about is the four kinds, and that's because I'm reading the book called Ahavat Chesed. Ahavat Chesed means love of kindness. Love of kindness. This is a book written about 100 years ago by a fellow by the name of Rabbi Israel Meir HaKohen, better known as the Chafetz Chaim. I don't hear the term Chafetz Chaim. Uh, what he was very popular for, for a few things, but he made a major effort. He led the, I would say it's like a renaissance in, in Jewish practice with the emphasis on Lashon Hara. Everyone here has heard the term Lashon Hara? Mm-hmm. Right? Everyone knows that term thanks to this man. Like he wrote books and wrote articles and wrote essays and like, like spent you know, a, a tremendous effort trying to uh, popularize the, the ideas, the teachings of, uh, you know, the importance of, of, uh, of not speaking Lashon Hara, not speaking uh, negatively about other people. And... Uh, <laughs> I don't know what Lashonara means evil talk. Evil talk. And he, he wrote books on the laws of evil talk, and he put, wrote books on, on the, like, the more ethical uh, perspectives, and he brought tons, collected all the sources for it. And this book is a book called About Kindness. It's a remarkable book because it, 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 he, he makes laws out of ethics. He says, what are the laws of kindness? And half the book, he spends on the laws of kindness and the laws of charity, and the laws of taking care of people that died, because you have to take part of kindness is taking care of people that you're know, taking care of the dead, and that's called the, the best kind of kindness you could do is kindness with a dead person because you can't you're not expecting to have any repayment. Uh, talks about uh, um, just the, the importance about you know caring for others, being kind for others, and what I found remarkable just just I've learned it before I read it like seven years I'm reading reading it again, but there were a few things that really struck me I wanted to share with everyone. So. First thing is that there's a verse in the Torah. More precisely, it says this eight times in the Torah, the halachta bidrachav, which means you should go in the ways of God. And we heard that that's that, that statement. Eight times in the Torah it says, man should walk in the ways of God. You should be like God, copy God. And the Talmud says, wait a minute, how is mortal man in any way going to be comparable to God? We're such we're different entities. We're finite. He's infinite. There's, we have a hard time even conceptualizing the idea of God. What is this requirement that we should be like God, walk in God's ways? So what the Talmud tells us is that the Talmud, several places, that uh, that what it means to, walk, to to be like God, to walk in God's ways, it means to act like God. Right? God's behavior. God's kind. You should be kind. God's merciful. You should be merciful. So. The first thing I want to point out is the idea of kindness and caring for others and being merciful and, and being someone who's uh, amiable, gregarious, I don't know what the right word is, but someone who's kind is, is so important that A, uh, it's described as man acting like God, and B, it was so important that it was necessary to write it at least eight times in the Torah, uh, amongst countless other times and references, but specifically this statement of, 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 of being kind, right? so many times in the Torah, to obviously emphasize the importance of that idea. So that's the first thing that struck me. And, and you know, the, the Torah's emphasis on kindness. We'll get to what kindness means because I think there may be four kinds. Okay. Um, the next thing that struck me was, this is once again from this book, um, the comparisons that the idea of kindness has with the idea of Torah and specifically studying Torah. Because there's some things 
that we see a common denominator between only two things, between only Torah and kindness, which seem to be very disparate. Yes, studying Torah is an intellectual pursuit, and kindness is obviously interpersonal. It's an activity, it's behavior, behavioral. You wouldn't think them to really have much of an overlap. And, and yet we find that in these two areas, there's lots and lots of areas where, lots and lots of examples, I'll give a few examples here, where Torah and kindness are put in one basket. So we're going to try to explain what that means. Let me give a few examples for that. Okay, so we have a statement of the Talmud. If someone wants atonement, someone did something wrong, they want atonement, there's two ways they could do it, through Torah study or kindness. Okay? Another story, the story, it says that the, uh, the descendants of a fellow by the name of Eli, if you read the book of Samuel, you meet, you meet a guy named Eli, uh, and his descendants were cursed that they were all going to die young. And it mentions that there were these two descendants of his, one of them engaged in Torah, and therefore he was able to live till 40. And the other one engaged in Torah and, and kindness, and he lived till 60. Once again, we see the idea of Torah and kindness being ways to lengthen one's life. If someone does Torah, if someone does kindness, it's a way for them to, le- to lengthen their lives. Okay? Those are the only two things that are mentioned. What else do we have? I'll listen to this. This is shocking. Talmud says, this is, I'll show you, this was not actually from the court, I remember this, this is from uh, my own uh, studying. Talmud says in a uh, tractate called the Hodazara, the book called Hodazara, I'll send, give you the link if anyone ever wants to check it out, it's fascinating. Someone who studies Torah, but doesn't engage in kindness, it's as if they don't believe in God. You can have someone who spends his whole life dedicated towards Torah study, but if he doesn't have, uh, alongside that, parallel to that, doesn't engage in kindness, it's as if he doesn't believe in God, which is this very disturbing statement. How can you say someone doesn't believe in God? How can you, and especially someone who's steeped in Torah study. Torah is the will of God. It's the book that we got from, 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 from God. It's the instructions. It's, it's God's manual for life. And someone engages his whole life in that, but doesn't engage in chesed and kindness and in, in, in being uh, uh, kind to other people, being benevolent, as if they don't believe in God. Well, you could say, maybe, maybe you should say, hey, there's something lacking, or he's maybe slightly imperfect, or he needs something to, to, to even out, to, to be more balanced. Say something like that. To say something as striking as he doesn't believe in God, it's trying to get our attention. There's something there. The Torah is clearly telling us that you, if you have Torah, you must have alongside it kindness as well. What does that mean? But once again, we see Torah and kindness put into one basket. And uh, this one is for my grandfather, of blessed memory. I apologize for this, guys. Uh, there's a statement in the Talmud that says that the beginning of Torah is kindness and the end of Torah is kindness. What's the beginning of the Torah? The beginning of the Torah, it says, is that, uh, that uh, the Almighty made clothing for Adam and Eve. So that's kindness. And the end of the Torah is the Almighty buries Moses. Kindness. Right? The beginning, so it's the statement of the Talmud. Beginning of Torah's kindness, end of Torah's kindness. So once again, we see Torah and kindness put together. And uh, we also see is that if you say the beginning of something is X and the end of something is X, you can safely deduce, what would you be able to safely deduce, uh, uh, um, what would you think you could deduce from that? Doesn't. If the beginning of Torah's kindness, the end of Torah's kindness, trumps everything else. the whole thing is kindness. Right? That makes, makes sense. Once again, the, the statement of the beginning and the end of Torah's kindness 
Torah itself must be kindness. And this is my favorite one. The Hebrew word for kindness, this one I figure out myself, Kimilut chasadim, that's the full term. Kimilut chasadim. And the Hebrew word for Torah is Torah, obviously. Uh, the gematria, everyone knows what gematria is? Numerical value, like every Hebrew letter has a, nu- a, nu- a numeral attached to it. So I once did this, like just randomly. I was like 22 years old and I was just playing around numbers. And I read this piece of Talmud that says that if you have Torah but don't have, uh, don't have, uh, chasadim, you don't have kindness, as if you don't believe with God. I said, you know what? Let me just check these out. And it turns out that both of them are exactly 611. Both of them are exactly 611. The, 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 the word Torah, the word Gemilus chasadim, kindness, are exactly the same. It means, it's, it means these are the two pillars of our faith. So this was this is what um, this huh? Yeah, it's like early Torah codes. Yeah, I, whatever. This is something I discovered myself. A lot of the Torah codes are somewhat of a stretch, uh, but uh, yeah, I'm not to not to deny the validity of that. But uh, what is the Torah code? Torah codes. Well, the Torah codes can mean a lot of things. That's why it's uh, it's an ambiguous term. But Torah, but Torah codes, the the if you hear a negative uh, connotation, it's probably referring to the Torah codes where they try to like they try to like guess the future by trying to take the letters in the Torah and, and descrambleizing. Like you take a letter and then you skip eight hundred and twenty two letters and get to the next letter and skip another eight hundred twenty two letters and another eight hundred twenty two letters. You can get like a message. It's like hidden codes in the Torah. Yeah, they find tons of stuff, but then they find baloney, right? They say, oh, we can find uh, Obama 2012, beat Romney. They find stuff like that all the time. And, but they, the, the science behind it, some peer-reviewed articles say, yeah, it's totally true. Some say it's baloney. They found the same thing in Moby Dick. So uh, there was this one guy who, who, who the, the father, he's like the Bill James of... Uh, of Bible codes. Everyone knows what Bill James is? Bill James is like the father of sabermetrics. Sabermetrics is like advanced statistics. He was like sports and like all the advanced statistics. Um, So this guy in 1994, the father of uh, Bible codes, so he was playing around with this and he found all these cool stuff. He found like Hitler, Nazi, 1939, Auschwitz, like right next to each other. He found like in the codes... And he, he just found remarkable stuff. And then he was searching Rabin assassination. And he's like, because Rabin was still, uh, Yitzhak Rabin was the prime minister of Israel. And he's like, Rabin assassination. He's like, boom, Rabin is going to be assassinated in a month. And the guy started sending letters to him. He's like, I found this. In the, I found this in the Bible. that it says Rabin is going to be assassinated. You better be careful. And he's like, like some kook is sending him letters about what's it called. And... and uh, you know, would you believe it? But a month later, they, he was assassinated. So that's the, that, that's you know, that's why this 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 Bible code is always closely tied to this Rabin story. But yeah, like they find September 11th, Osama bin Laden, Al Qaeda, Bush, and like uh, yeah, okay. Pentagon, all like within like uh, yeah. We had our trip to Israel. The guy from the Hillel, the director of Hillel, who was leading it, had all these connections from his ten years there. So he had his overtly being balcony. Oh, really? After her husband had been assassinated, and I asked her this question, like, was it hard for her husband to get to the point where he could shake hands with Yasser Arafat when he made the deals? And she's like, oh, well, you know, it was a very difficult time to shake. It's terrible skin disease. (laughs) (laughs) Security guy motioned to our guy who was 
uh, videotaping the scene and say, and they confiscated our tape after that. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> She was a she's a tough woman. Huh? She's still around. I read I read yeah, her book. She, she speaks her mind more than I read her. Um, I read her. I read her. I read her autobiography. Was, uh, she uh, yeah? She was like she was the early, you know the early Zionist. They're very dedicated. And like she like she wrote that she like is the only thing I remember. I wonder why. But she wrote that the before the war, if you know before the independence, uh, so. If you were like a settler, like in this, like a Zionist who was settling in Palestine, if you were caught with with any weapons, any firearms, they would hang you. So that's the British, the British mandate, the British mandate over Palestine, and uh, the underground, like the like the Haganah and the Irgun and the Lehi, all these underground groups, they all needed firearms because other, because they were engaged in this guerrilla warfare with with the British. And she would say that the uh, women would like. They were in charge. The women were in charge of like smuggling the, uh, you know, the weapons back and forth because the the British soldiers that were they would hide them in, in places that the British soldiers wouldn't like was ungentlemanly to uh, I think what she said ungentlemanly to uh, to search. Um, so that's how they just managed to smuggle. Anyhow, that's the, that's, the, that's you brought up later. Been I read her book hundred years ago, and that's the only thing I remember. Yeah. Okay. I apologize for that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, we find we have this remarkable statement in the Torah that via our actions of kindness, we're able to emulate God. We're able to be like Him, which is a remarkable thing, you know, on its own right. It's repeated multiple times, and uh, that, that you know that's the first striking thing about kindness, which which should, should compel us to investigate further. But additionally, we see the idea of Torah and kindness being interlinked. And we brought countless examples. Not countless, like, you know, seven examples. So I wanted to maybe give it an angle to this. And this is something that I've developed on my own. It's possible as other angles. And what I, want to, what I want to argue, before we get to the four different kinds of kinds, I want to argue that maybe the idea of Torah and the idea of kindness is really the same thing. Um, what I mean by that... Torah, we say, is the will of God. It's God's. It's tapping into God's brain, right? It's intellectually connecting yourself with the Almighty. This is His Torah. You can intellectually connect with that. Kindness is also tapping into God, but not into God's brain, but to God's behavior. This is also to speak. Obviously, God doesn't have a brain. But the point is, in God's intellect and God's behavior. So these are the two ways that we can emulate God. We could kind of relate to him, to connect to him, right? Number one, on an intellectual level, study his Torah. Number two, behaviorally. Behaviorally. So therefore, these two things together could make us, like, to, to, could compel us, could propel us, could be an impetus for us to become greater people, godly people, to be like God, to walk in God's ways. And if someone says, I only want to connect on an intellectual level, I only want Torah. Well, it's as if they don't believe in God. Why is it it as if they don't believe in God? Because they don't believe that God's behavior is worth emulating. Just God's intellect. What do you mean? God is more than just intellect. It's also how he treats us, how he treats humanity. So it's important for you, if if you really believe in God, then you would make an effort to try to be like God as well in your behavior. 
So someone who has Torah but doesn't have kindness means he has the intellect of God, right? He's, he's connecting on an intellectual level to God, but on a practical level, on a behavioral level, right? he's, not, he's not emulating God. Hence, as if he doesn't believe, he doesn't believe it. Hence, these two things have to go together. And hence, the Torah and the Torah and, and the Torah starts off with kindness, ends off with kindness, because it's really the same thing. And it's two stages of one process. You have to have your intellect connected on a, a, to, to godly wisdom, but that should also impact your behavior. So this is why I, I want to. Uh, um, this is the 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 the. the, the <laughs> I think the maybe the starting point for the discussion of about about kindness is, hey, we see that kindness is something which is we should walk in the way of God because we could act like God. This is how He acts, and we should follow suit. And the reason why it's so closely tied to Torah is because there are two halves of the entire picture. Right? You, through Torah, you intellectually connect to God, and through kindness, well, that's how your behavior emulates the behavior of God. So that's the idea, which, and, and it, to me, like, this thing is so groundbreaking, so, uh, it's so, uh, over, uh, so, such a broad, broad strokes of everything in our religion. Like, to me, like, it's worth to sit down and say, okay, so what is Torah? What is kindness? And I did that, and it turns out there's actually four kinds. Not all kindness is created equal. And when we talk about kindness, we're going to have to always figure out, okay, we're exactly on the kindness podium toll. Totem nice. pole. Oh gosh, <laughs> that happens to me all the time. I apologize. Uh, on the kindness totem pole, uh, is, does our kindness finish? Because when we say kindness, we can mean multiple things, and I, I think maybe that the kindness that we're describing, that where it just transforms the person, is a much higher level of a simple kindness that we could, you know, that people could use in their vernacular when they just talk about the idea of being benevolent and being. Uh, uh, kind being, uh, I'm trying to think of another word for kind, but giving, um, yeah, uh, caring. I guess uh, maybe there's other words. Do you have another word? Oh, no. I was actually going to say, because you're talking about kindness, actually, something that's a lot, um, yay. Um, <laughs> I was just wondering, does kindness also mean that in the mornings in Texas, you have to say good morning? Like, because people, you find that people aren't uh, aren't uh, aren't friendly in the mornings. Like, how early are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> like, I get there first seven o'clock in the morning, and I like to just, you know, focus. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, be like, oh, good morning, you know, and everyone's all like, good morning, and I'm, I'm like, you can just say, it's the, I was just wondering. It's the, it's the, like, um, Dana, it's the. Uh, <laughs> It's going to die off by January 15th. <laughs> this guy wrote on Twitter that he wants to open up a, uh, a gym that turns into a bar after January. Because <laughs> 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 everyone makes these new years. Right. So it'll calm down by February. Don't worry. But, uh, no, I know. I mean, I just, is that like a kind No, it's Dana. It's the last vestiges of New York that you have within you. <laughs> Get over it. 
because at Jane, I'm like, oh, so stupid, you know? It's so stupid. Sorry, because when Dana, when Dana started asking the question, I was thinking that the opposite was. Yeah, I was thinking like she was being all you know cheerful, and no one else was. <laughs> was responding to I guess I'm, I'm just in the morning I'm just Because in my my four kinds, and thank you for bringing it back, uh, Dana. In my four four kinds, it's actually uh, it's different kinds of behavior. It's not it's not different aspects of a certain behavior. It's not part of a checklist. Um, it's 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 a, it's a whole different perspective. It's four kinds of kinds, but really four. It's just four different distinct kinds. Seems like in terms of like the different kinds of mitzvah. Right, it's, it's it's a totally different kind of thing. Exactly. So the first kind. Let's talk about the first kind. The first most simple kind, and that is um, what I like to call the um, the a basic human decorum kind. What I mean by that is like this: we have a verse in the Torah that says "Olam Chesed Yibane," which means a world is created with kindness. It means that the idea of a world be Functioning is dependent on kindness. If there's no kindness, the world would, would, wouldn't be able to function. What does that mean? It means is that as humans, and we're the only ones that uh, this only species that this can be said of, if we don't have kindness, if we don't relate with each other, if we don't give and get, if we don't have interdependence, everyone depending on, on, on someone else, we wouldn't be able to survive. Think about it. How many people here so? Their own clothing. None, right? <laughs> not, not me? Huh? <laughs> Patches. <laughs> right? No one here sews their own clothing. Someone else does that for you. Right? How many people here uh, give themselves haircuts? I used to do it. <laughs> okay. Um, like, huh? No, like a haircut. But... How many parts of our lives, like how many here people actually built their own car? But you pay for it. You pay for it. The point is, is that the way, the only way the human society is with interdependence, right? We have to rely on each other. Otherwise, our, our society cannot function. This is a basic human idea. The idea is that animals, they, each animal on its own could survive as well as if they survive in, in you know in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a social setting. Well, I guess they're for certain areas, well, maybe for protection and travel in packs and how they... Well, yeah. Okay, okay. That, that, that's true. Well, I'll give you the on the intellectual level as far as... Yeah, yeah. So obviously, there, yeah. They, they, there's my exceptions if you want, if you want to you split hairs. But the point is, is that our society can't function at all, right? Unless we have each other. And that's why kindness is the one mitzvah that it's actually, it's a mitzvah in the Torah. And the Torah, the mitzvah, was given to Jews. But even Gentiles, we demand for them to be kind. It's the only one. It's the only mitzvah that they don't have. It's not one of their mitzvahs, 
but they're demanded to. Why? Because otherwise society can't function. We have the Sodom and Gomorrah, right? They were not kind, hence they were destroyed. Right? What do you mean? They're Gentiles. They don't have a responsibility. They don't have a requirement to be kind. Yes, they do. This basic kindness, right? this is what enables society to function. If you don't have this, you, you don't, uh, it, it, you know, just, it, society cannot continue. So this is the most basic idea. And this is something which is universal, required by everyone to have interactions with other people, positive interactions with other people. <laughs> Simple, most basic level. Let's move up a, up a stage. And this is, this is, um, a, a Jewish trait, the Talmud tells us that there's three themes that mark Jewish character. Jewish character is marked by three, uh, three character traits. Number one, they're bashful, they're shy. Right? Jews aren't the ones who are like uh, BMOCs, right? Well, maybe some are, but... Uh, <laughs> big man on campus? Uh, okay. <laughs> um, so, the, so they're shy, they're, they're, they're merciful, right? A Jew, a Jew cannot do genocide. It's not possible. Right? Don't claim that Hitler was Jewish. It's not possible. A Jew can't be cruel. Cruelty is just not a characteristic that we have. And lastly, is that we we, we have we have kindness. And how did, did Kahana exist? Who Kahana? Kahana wasn't a cruel person. Sidetracked. <coughs> he wasn't a cruel person. In fact, he was full of love. If you have you heard his tapes? Have you watched his debates with the? Have you watched his videos? Well, he he, he just had he was a little bit of a hardliner. And says, "Listen, Israel's our land, not the Arabs. They should leave." Right? That's why that he was a hardliner. But doesn't mean doesn't mean he was a cruel person. Well, I mean, it wasn't really a plus. They're considered a terrorist group. Well, they are considered terrorists. That's true. <laughs> yeah, and uh, because he had, and you would would you say that uh, that Menachem Begin was also a terrorist? He was also labeled terrorist. Mm-hmm. Is, there anyone, is there anyone here that would claim that Menachem Begin, the uh, the the wonderful Israeli leader that was a prime minister of Israel, was was a terrorist? Was who was in the Israeli Knesset for fifty years? No one would argue he was a terrorist. But the British said he, he said he was a terrorist because he blew up the King David Hotel, even though he called up twenty minutes earlier and says we're blowing it up, and they locked the doors and kept everyone in the British. He called up on the phone. He says. We planted explosives in the basement of your building. It's going to blow up in 20 minutes. Make sure you get everyone out of there. We're doing it. We don't want to have innocent loss of life. We don't want to kill anyone. We want to, we want to make a statement that the British, you're, 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 you're persecuting, this is back to the British mandate, you're persecuting the Jews. You're not treating us well. You're, you're, you're doing hangings every day, as the British did. This is only six years ago. It's outrageous to think about that. They do it all the time. Anyone was caught with any weapons, which hung right there, public. Outrageous. These are British, could you imagine? They called up and says, get everyone out. The British decides, you know, we're locking the door. No one's allowed to leave. And like 87 people died. So they labeled him a terrorist. It's not a terrorist. Right? He just, he, to achieve a goal and try to bring the statehood and uh, uh, to, to try to bring Israel to existence, he had to engage in certain, in certain. Uh, and they were looking for him. And you know what? The people from the Haganah, from, 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 from uh, Ben Gurion, they wanted him also. They would have shot him also, just like they shot the people in the Altalena. I'm sorry, I'm going to Israeli politics now. Is, is, you are forewarned <laughs> that your building's about to explode and you decide to lock the people. Technically, you're, you're, you're the bad one, yeah. Yeah. Bashful. Bashful. Merciful. Uh, merciful and, and, and kindness. So, like, it sounds like 
No, no, no. It, it means that overall, and this is the, this is the next thing I want to say. It doesn't mean that you can't have an individual Jewish individual who's not kind. Of course, you can find that. But generally, the characteristic that we say that um, uh, that characterizes Jews is these three things. That's what the Talmud says. And the explanation behind that this is interesting. This is we actually have in Judaism the first documented um, hy- hypothesis or thesis or theory of evolution. And the idea of someone acquiring traits and transmitting them to their future generations. Well, the basic structure of, of evolution, where someone could change in a certain capacity or the other, and then transmit that further. And we have we and and we we claim is that this could also be on spiritual or behavioral matters, not just physical matters. And, and obviously, that, that that's something which is uh, the idea of a behavior being uh, being uh, uh, hereditary is something that that uh, I think everyone agrees with now. He disagrees with it. And what we say is that whatever Abraham, um, our forefather, right, whatever he accomplished in his life, and we know he excelled in these things, kindness. We know Abraham was a kind person. All the stories about his kindness. Those things became part of his DNA, maybe his spiritual DNA. And that's the Jewish people even today. That's why the Jewish people are always driven to save the world. If you look at major organizations that are there to help people, they're all headed by Jews, even young Jews, young Jews today, the millennials. We're all millennials here, right? And, well, yeah. Okay, okay, whatever. Young Jews today are still driven to change the world and make the world a better place. Why? It's in our blood. It's in our DNA. We have... uh, Interesting, this, this the idea is brought home in uh, the chapters of the Fathers, which is a section of the Mishnah, one of the 63 books of the Mishnah. It has two successive uh, statements talking about Abraham. One of them, it says that there's 10 generations from Noah to Abraham. And the next one, it says, in 10 challenges was Abraham, our forefather, challenged. And the commentaries ask, wait a minute, we just said 10 generations from Noah to Abraham. And we didn't call him Abraham, our forefather. Just called him Abraham. But then it says there's 10 challenges that Abraham was challenged, and we call him Abraham, our forefather. Abraham Avinu, Abraham, our forefather. How come in two successive Mishnahs, he's called different names? So one of the commentaries' answers is that because when Abraham faced challenges, he achieved certain spiritual uh, characteristics, and in those things were transmitted to his descendants. Hence, when we talk about the challenges that Abraham faced, he's Abraham, our forefather. Because he was the one who started the trend that continues to this day that Jews are are kind people. So how is this a different level of kindness? This is a different level of kindness because it's in our nature. Naturally, we're driven to to, to, to be kind. We need to do do for others. And that's a Jewish trait. And you may have a hard time to, uh, wrapping your head around that because you know we're Jewish and we, that's what we know. Uh, but if you compare Jewish communities and Jewish individuals with non-Jewish communities and non-Jewish individuals, it's remarkable the difference. I mean, if you grow up in something, it's like you're zoomed into the forest, right? All you see is right? all you see is what you know. It's kind of hard to compare with something you don't know. But if you are able to have a view, a bird's eye view of a Jewish community anywhere and a non-Jewish community. And the, the, the charity and the kindness and the initiatives and the organizations that are driven to help people in the Jewish community are astounding. And you do find a certain degree of, uh, of, of charitable, of, of philanthropy, of, 
of uh, the Billion Years Pledge of Kindness amongst non-Jews as well, but nowhere near uh, the 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 uh, the um, uh, nowhere near the intensity, nowhere near the uh, universality that you find by Jews. So that's, the, that's another idea: is that Jews were driven to be kind naturally, and then we we kind of have a need to do kind, and we're looking, we're on the lookout, so to speak, we're on the prowl to do kind. Kindness. That's the second level. What's the third level? Third level is where imagine someone wants to do kindness. You're, why do you want to do kindness? Well, I'm Jewish. I'm Jewish. I want to do kindness. That's what I was taught. I was taught about tikkun olam. Everyone heard that term because that's a term that we don't taught as kids. Because that's what our parents were taught. Because that's what it says in the Torah <laughs> that, that that we're here to fix the world, and and that's something that we have naturally, and it's it's something that's easy for us to swallow because we're Jews and we're descendants of Abraham. There's a higher level on that as well. And what's that? The third level of kindness. In ascending order, that is. Well, I guess, yeah, in ascending order. And that would be when someone does kindness, not because they're compelled to do it because of their nature, their nature or their innately or their community. They want to do it because the Almighty says to do it. And this is what I found remarkable. This is once again back from this book. He says that there's a certain there's a certain degree. He says that this is for special people. So I don't know if it's really for me or for anyone. Uh, or, oh, it's for all you guys, but it's for sure not for me. But it says someone who already does kindness in their head, if they could ask themselves, "Why am I doing this?" and try to find a way to make it that they're doing it because this is what the Almighty wants. You're doing it regardless. But if you could stop and stop yourself and try to change your motives and say, I'm doing it because this is the will of God, that's a very special level. To take something you're doing anyhow and to not try to make it better or improve it, it's just to try to channel certain certain motivation that's not a natural motivation that we have. But to try to channel that motivation into, into our activities, that's really special. To do kindness and say, I'm not doing it for this, I'm doing it for that. I'm doing it because God told me to do it. Because this is the will of God. With this, I'm becoming close to Him. With this, I'm following in His footsteps. That's a remarkable level of kindness. So we have a, there's a, a doppelganger for that. We you know we talk about uh, um, honoring your parents. And, uh, you know, this is something that uh, is, uh, makes a lot of sense. And if, you know, if you're looking at it from the other side, your parent, and you know what you actually give for your kids, and I know it's like some some parents even wake up in the middle of the night to tend to their kids. I don't know. I heard rumor, I guess. <laughs> but parents give up everything for their children. It it only makes sense to honor them. You listening, kids? Okay. <laughs> uh, it makes sense. It's just it's just basic. It's to be a mensch. It's a just. You parents, this, you did so much for you. It cost two hundred and thirty-eight thousand dollars to raise a kid till eighteen, and not including summer camps or uh, or uh, or college or braces. <laughs> it's very expensive, and it's lots of dedication, lots of toil, lots of hard work, lots of worrying, carpool. It's so much. It only makes sense to uh, to, uh, to to honor your parents. That's very logical. Makes a lot of sense. And you know what? In our Talmud, it says even Gentiles do it. It makes sense. It makes sense. And you find this remarkable story about this one Gentile who lived in Israel who was gives four stories. I'm not going to go through the stories right now to uh, save some time. It's getting a little late, I know. But it says four remarkable stories about this one Gentile and how he did kindness. Like his parents treated him terribly and still he, uh, not kindness, he, still he honored his parents. 
And it says that his reward was he got a he got a uh, a red heifer born in his in his flock. And um, and this is the one time one of two times where it says red heifer and it puts it together with honoring parents. And I found another place in the Talmud. The place it also it talks about this and talks about that. It talks about honoring parents and talks about red heifer. I think like, what could possibly be the connection between a red heifer, the mitzvah of a red heifer, which is the most illogical of mitzvahs, and or at least from our perspective, and, and honoring parents? Doesn't seem to have to have much of a correlation. And I saw someone answer this that in truth. The lesson here is that you can honor your parents. Why are you honoring your parents? You could either do it because, hey, it makes sense, all right, or they'll beat me otherwise, or just derecheretz, or it's it's menschlichkeit, right? You could be like a Gentile. Even a Gentile does it, right? Or you can say, I'm doing it because this is the will of God. And I'm doing it the same way I would do the red heifer. I don't understand at all why I do the red heifer. The red heifer is used as the model of a chot, of a mitzvah that humans can't wrap their heads around. And the lesson is that, to a certain degree, these two things are together. The, the aim should be is that even things that I know why I'm doing them, there's a higher level to say I'm doing this the will of God. Similarly, with regards to kindness, the third kind is when someone does kindness and he doesn't do it because he's naturally inclined to do it, Right? And even though he would do it otherwise, it's it's for him to re-engineer his activity to say that I'm doing it for this for, for this for this motivation and uh, and, and this and and and, uh, and and not for any other and any other reason. I'm doing it because that's what God wants, right? and that's a, a, a degree of kindness was able to transform a person even more. And lastly, the fourth kind, the highest level of kindness, and the highest level of kindness is where a person is able to totally change their perspective on everything in life. As humans, from day one, we're innately selfish. I've said this a million times, I'll say it again. A small child rarely wakes up to tend to his crying mother. It never happens. Children are selfish. All they care about is themselves. They want pleasure, they don't want pain, and that's all they care about, and that's, and that's how they're born. And over the course of their lifetime, the hope is that they'll actually be able to see others and care for others. And the highest level of kindness is when someone is able to re... I was re-engineer, I've said that word before, but to, to totally revamp their perspective on life to stop seeing things from their own perspective and try to try to see the world from someone else's perspective. To see the world the way someone else sees it. But it's not a switch, right? It's a process. Obviously, it's a process, for sure. And a, a person, through kindness, through acting kindness, could totally transform their, their relationship to everything that, that, uh, else in life, right? For example... I said this a couple of weeks ago. Um, we uh, we see a story about uh, Rebecca. I mentioned this a few weeks ago. Rebecca, when uh, the, the, in, the, in, the, in the Torah where it talks about Rebecca and how 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 they they looked for someone who was kind uh, to marry Isaac. And uh, we mentioned there that that 
uh, they asked Rebecca, could you please give us some water? And she said, no, not only am I going to give you water, I'm going to give your camels water. The point is that she was able to see the world from someone else's perspective. That's the highest degree of kindness. The highest degree of kindness is someone, someone acts in a way where they're able to see the world from someone else's perspective. This will change their relationships with other people, change the relationship uh, uh, with, with God himself. If someone just sees the world from their perspective, if someone is held captive, if someone is uh, tethered to the imagery that they had as a child, right, they're in this little box and they're not able to see anything out, right? They don't have this little window to see other people and see what someone else is going going through. Put yourself in someone else's shoes. If they're not able to do that, a certain degree, every aspect of their relationships will also reflect that perspective. Is it right that the kindness is the actions that flow from that perspective of empathy? Well, not the perspective of empathy themselves? Well, but the, the point is, is that someone could do kindness and it could fit into one of those levels. Someone could do kindness and just and and, and not actually have it transformed because it could be an, at, at the first level of kindness where they're just doing it because it's the right thing to do because it's just otherwise we wouldn't have a functioning society. But I think it's all about the motivation. And yes, there are certain acts of kindness that someone won't do unless they have that higher degree of of of, of kindness, of like kindness. like if she had just had. Perspective, have empathy. Yes, and yes. The the, the, the ad also needed water, but only gave water right. to him. That wouldn't have been kindness. Right. The ad demonstrated that she has that high degree of kindness that she's able to see the world from someone else's perspective. Obviously, just the motivation without the act isn't going to be anything. Yeah, and the point is, is that not every act of kindness would be able to, you know, demonstrate which one of the kindness that someone would fit in would fit into. But I just, I just, I feel like I ran through this last one, and I'm, I did that uh, on purpose because I, I don't want to speak too long. But um, the idea of the last idea of kindness is a, it's a new life's perspective where someone is able to see the world from someone else's perspective. To not just say, "Oh, someone needs something, I give it to them." To preempt, to be preemptive. Preemptive kindness is only possible if you notice what someone else is going through before they even uh, present you with, or before you're presented with a kindness situation. You're ahead of the game. You're preventative because that's how you see the world. You see the world from other. You see someone. You say, "Oh God, gosh, what are they going through? How can I help them?" This new perspective it could be to- will total, totally, totally, uh, and radically change uh, one's view on, on life. It opens up a window in their heart. They're able to connect to other people. They're able to connect to God as well. I have a question. That's great. Mm-hmm. So, so then, ask them, like, I I don't know what you're going to, but how can I help you? Or, well, I I think once you see the world from their perspective, you'll learn to pick up cues. You'll see someone suffering. You'll you'll see someone, someone, someone's like, oh gosh, you're in a bad mood. Sometimes you're in a bad mood and that you hope someone notices. (laughs) Right? Yeah, I'm in a bad mood and no one notices because people aren't used to seeing the world from my perspective. So yeah, there might be some things that oh gosh, I cannot figure out. Okay, like, so it doesn't have to be that specific. Yeah, you like, might you might not be able to have. Oh, I know you're going through a yeah. bad time. Maybe your coworkers aren't sympathetic to the fact that you're no, just like this. <laughs> no, no, no. I just um, a lot of people go through things and they bring it to the workplace and I'm trying to figure out how I can implement this because I think this is great. But when, you know, they're talking about their divorce, I'm like, I don't get out there, man. Yeah, uh, but no. I feel like, you know, just venting it, 
No, so like this. Do you care about them? <laughs> no, really. <laughs> no, 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 no. Do you really? a hard question. No, the question is like this. Do you, I, I do. I like them If you care about them. No, 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 not like. Not, not like. It means, I mean, not like. Um, do you do you care for them? Does it does when they have pain? Does do you feel a little bit of their pain? You feel bad. You feel no. Rebecca didn't have camels. She didn't have camels, but she saw she was able to put herself in their shoes. Well, well. Think about it, Dana. What would what would you what would you do? What would you do if you were going through a challenging situation? Right. So. No, right, but so think about it. You're her. Imagine you're her. What, what do you need? What would you need? want? If yeah, you what would you want? want? What would you want if you're going through a similar situation? What would you want? Would you, like, if you, if she you might not necessarily want to advice either. Then that's like yeah, what you're that's doing. That's what I've been doing. So there you that go. That might be the answer. So, so Dana, ask yourself, if I was her, if my, if I was in her shoes, what would I want? Uh, it might be, it may be advice. It may be water for my camels. Right, maybe advice me with my kids, or just like a good hug, right? Or it's just some love, attention, empathy. Or maybe go, maybe like go to happy hour after work. Like, hey, or maybe just say good morning every day. Let's look at that every time. Tell us more. Tell us more. <laughs> so that's that. So that's the uh, that's the four kinds. So uh, today we learned the uh, paramount importance of the idea of kindness. Uh, when someone's kind, they're able to emulate God. They're able to walk in God's path, which is how remarkable that is. And kindness is one half of the whole thing. That really everything about our religion and our philosophy is trying to impart on us, right? Number one on an intellectual level, but also on, a, on a, to have that integrate our, you know, our actions, our activities, our behavior, and to become different people, and and kindness is the is the is a category of of acting is in a way it's similar to God. Hence, those two things are indispensable because that's part of the whole message. If you have Torah without kindness, well, you're missing the boat. The whole idea of, of Torah is to be is to is to tap into God's intellect. How can you do that and not and ignore the way God behaves? Right, i.e., the kindness, uh, and we learned that not all kindness are created equal. There's somewhat of an ascending, um, like maybe a, a roadmap or workbook or work perspective of how we could actually um, just be, be be mindful of, our, of the kindness uh, and and realize that really that, that on a certain degree we all have kindness because we're all humans. And we all need each other, but there's higher levels. There's ways to make sure that, uh, or there's stages of kindness where someone does it. Naturally, and as Jews, we have a hard head start with that as being descendants of Abraham. But also, we have to do something because it's the will of God. I'm, I'm, I'm doing God's work. Think about how empowering that is. And lastly, uh, hopefully, the the end game is that when someone becomes like Rebecca, someone is able to see the world from someone else's perspective, which is a great challenge. Something which is tremendously difficult, uh, but something that it's, it's all attainable. It's within our reach. And uh, those were my thoughts. And uh, I'm so happy that y'all came and participated. Thank you so much, Chai, for providing the wonderful, delicious food. And uh, uh, this, yes, it breathes life into the uh, frozen tundra of Houston, Texas.
It was, yeah, it was 30 degrees this morning. Oh, no. Yeah, well, it was 25. It was warm. Texas, my dad, temperature of the woods on Saturday. And, like, they're dealing with the blizzard up there. Yeah. It's 48 degrees. How bad is it? 58 in Philly? Yeah, when it got Was that negative 58? No, no, no. In New York now, Oh, how did that happen so fast? No, my parents are there just to be like, tomorrow, or like, this week, it's supposed to go down to like 